All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos. Busy. Yeah. Exciting. Nothing and you got another show coming up tonight? Uh, yes, well, yes, I'm going to see the Progress Boys. Uh, it goes to Progress, and then the then now our boys should be there. So this is me talking before, the job recorded before and afterwards. Otherwise, yeah. I might realise that Kai's a dick. <laughs> I was going to say, quick slag them off, they won't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, fuck Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, who's in the main event tonight? Uh, well, we don't know. It's just it's a pretty stuck card. The thing with progress, you never know what the main event is. We've got uh, Tyler Bay versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, Pete Dunne and Trent Seven versus Matt Riddle and David Starr. Uh just a stack. Travis Banks versus TK Cooper versus Chris Brooks for the title. Very generous. Uh, yeah, it's just that, yeah, it's, it's, the card for the program show is absolutely insane. It's, it's the best card I've been to. And I spy on my Skype you're wearing the Zack Sabre Jr. shirt that my brother bought from him in person a few weeks back. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I got an autographed picture and he bought that T-shirt. Yeah, unfortunately, I've not had to armbar anybody yet. <laughs> I nearly had to my daughter this morning. She smacked my dog. Oh, bad yeah. times. We our cat passed away this week. Oh, bad times. Sorry to bring bring it down, but I don't think you're going to bring it down any further than this show is going to itself by natural <laughs> causes any moment. <laughs> oh. So, without any further ado, we're here to review Uncensored 1995 against WrestleMania 12, aka the show we've been putting off for about seems like about three years now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if it's lack of enthusiasm or what, but we can finally get back onto the Monday Night Wars and head towards the NWO-filled version of 1996. So, yes. Uncensored, March 19th, the Tupelo Coliseum, Tupelo, Mississippi, crowd of 5,782 with a buy rate of approximately 180,000 buys. WrestleMania 12, March 31st, the Anahead, Anaheim Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California. 18,853 live in person and 290,000 buys approximately. So, bit of a discrepancy between the two shows. Let's find out if that's going to be um, apparent in the viewing. <laughs> I wonder how many people um, are the 183,000 got a refund for WCW. Oh, hopefully everybody because it was a steaming pile of shite. Indeed. Which one did you watch first? Uh, I watched WCW first because obviously it's no secret that this is the big pile of steaming dog shit. So let's stump on it and get it out of the way. Yeah, I watched Uncensored first too. So let's um, head over and just be warned none of this is sanctioned. So no holds barred through this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Sunday, March 24th, live only on pay-per-view. So before yeah. we before we start Uncensored, little uh, funny story. I had 
only seen the main events from this show because my good friend Mark, who was over from Belfast for my wedding a few years back, we were watching wrestling at night after the drinks had been consumed and everyone had gone to bed. We decided we'd watch some wrestling and we were doing a different Royal Rumble every night. And then one night he says to me, do you want to watch the worst wrestling match of all time? I said, yeah. yeah, sure. And it was this main event. So he's not far <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and we get a very cheesy Scooby-Doo kind of introduction. Um, and it's really all about ending Hulkamania. No mention of the Macho Man whatsoever in the main event. It's all about the heels, the alliance to end Hulkamania. So, yippee ki Indeed. Like I pointed out to you, Twitter, the alliance to end Hulkamania, or backwards, is Heat, which <laughs> none of this card managed together. And speaking of Heat, um, the commentary team, Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and a rather steaming Bobby the Brain Heenan, he is going to be like and adequately prepared <laughs> but it didn't start out too bad we open up with a United States title match Eddie Guerrero challenging Conan well yeah on, on paper this might as soon as you see that you see Eddie Guerrero and that you think wow this has got to be the best match of the card and for some reason it's not it starts with um a little bit of chain wrestling here. This is, by the way, the only title match on the card. Um, and Conan does take the early offense, but Eddie Guerrero hits a really nice flying arm drag, works over the leg, puts on a figure four, uh, but Conan gets to the ropes. They exchange some pins for two counts. We get a heel hook from Conan, a half crab, a full crab, and then a quick exchange of arm drags, which leads to the pace picking up in the match early doors. They then go to a exchange of slaps before the crowd unloads into a big Eddie chant, which was kind of cool to see him getting over this early. Yeah, I mean, it's going, going forward and what the, like, everything starts to pick up for Eddie and like, on the nitros and whatnot afterwards, he's, you can see, like, you gen, he's genuinely surprised every time he comes out and the Eddie chants and he even starts to get a bit of pyro as well. Nice one. We get a standing drop kick and a top rope runner for a two count by Guerrero before he locks in sort of half a camel clutch and then a full camel clutch. Um, they both go for a uh, try for chance with the crowd, but Eddie Guerrero is getting a little bit more of a reaction despite Conan being technically the bigger name at this stage. Um, we get a series of arm drags from Conan. The last one with a springboard off the ropes before Guerrero goes to a side headlock, flips out of a monkey flip, hits a flying head scissors and his top rope dive to the floor, which looked really spectacular this time around. Yes. Conan hits a nice German suplex, uh, rolls through. Eddie Guerrero gets a roll-up for a two-count. Conan comes back with a clothesline for a two. A very nice crucifix powerbomb for a two before sending Eddie Guerrero outside and hitting a really sort of poor-looking suicide dive. Guerrero hits a superplex for a two-count, a roll-up for a close two-count, and then goes for a Rana. But we get an accidental low blow, sort of as he leaps Conan, hitting his head to the balls and picking up the one, two, three in what was a decent, if not as good as it could have been, opening contest? Uh, well, you give it a lot more credit than I'll give it. It was literally an 18-minute match with Conan only wrestled 10 in. He was <laughs> pretty fucked after about 10 minutes, and then it turned into the equivalent of Eddie Guerrero wrestling a dog. Um, <laughs> it was... I thought, yeah, it was pretty... Well, 
clothesline and that's him fuck for the rest of the match. So <laughs> and a lay off. For that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's good on the mic though, so we'll give him that. Um yeah, it was it was poor Eddie. It could have been it could have been good. It it wasn't good. Um It was, it was a shit fair. finish. Yeah, knocked out with a not to the to the nuts. Um I don't know how I see I don't see how someone's nose can yeah, I think I just because I knew how much shit was on these shows to watch. Like, I definitely wouldn't make it on the Positively Pro Wrestling podcast this week because I'm not positive about this show whatsoever. I think I just was straining to enjoy something, and this was the the best I was going to get. I know. If we're saying like we're saying the pretense that this is uncensored, we're going to, our first match of the card is going to end with a well. Did he incident? Did he mean to hit him in the nuts? When, it's uncensored. He should be allowed to kick him in the dick if he wants to. <laughs> should have been the first move. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Handshake. No. Fuck off. Boot to the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah. So this was um. We're probably going to head downhill from here anyway. We go to Mean Gene Oakland with Colonel Robert Parker and Dick Slater. Um, and he's talking about his skills, chatting to... Um, oh, sorry, sorry, about to talk about his skills fighting. But first, we flash to the giant typing away on CompuServe, so really dating the show. And then he cuts a promo uh, talking about how he's fighting on behalf of men against women in the Battle of the Sexes because he will be taking on Medusa later in the show. Colonel Robert Park is just one of them people that a lot of people like, and I've never really got the gimmick. It's just not for me. No, just he's a, a racist in the nineties. It's not really <laughs> with a with like I said, that's the start of a previous podcast with an absolutely horrendously for, horrendous forehead where we're all in like fault marks. We go to something that did excite me. Um, it's Regal up against the Belfast Bruiser. So Steve Regal, as he is in WCW, and the Belfast Bruiser is Fit Finlay. So this is a match that's divided opinions for many years, but one I was excited to see. No, this match was basically these two ex, these two British stalwarts going, well, people think wrestling's fake, let's prove them wrong, because it was a right potato face. Even Brock Lesnar wins at this match. Absolutely. Probably give you a quick hit in the head and tell you to slow the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) That was brutal, that punch on Strowman. Uh, That's one where they didn't have to do the slow down replay, quick speed it up before the impact. The impact was good enough. (laughs) Yes. And and only Brock will get away with it. strikes. Uh, Regal ties him up in a knot and hits some punches and they brawl along the outside. Fiddling begins to work on the arm. Regal comes back with a really good drop kick, surprisingly, for a two count and then starts to palm Fiddling in the head, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see palm strikes. And then we get a, a interesting note from the commentary team. This was the first WCW pay-per-view to ever be shown live in Australia. Oh. And no, I did not watch it. <laughs> yeah, poor Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they killed the market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we get a slam by Finley, and then a really big clothesline for a two. Um, and then in a unintentionally hilarious moment, goes to get a steel chair from ringside, 
but it's all the whole row is tied together so he can't get one. It just made me piss myself laughing. <laughs> oh, he just gives up on the idea when he realises he'd need to take the whole front row out of the chairs. Oh, that Dusty Rhodes um, in another funny moment in this match. He, um, we, we get a kick and he says, see, he kicked him in the belly welly. Belly welly. <laughs> yeah. Regal with a nice-looking suplex to Finley over the top to the floor and then comes off the apron with an elbow. Bit of Cactus Jack style there. Yes. And then a big low kick from Regal um, before Finley comes back with some knee drops. They exchange a few more blows. It's it's very, very stiff. Um, we get a huge left jab by Finley. Some more brawling along the outside. Um, and then we get Regal busted open. And the Blue Blood comes comes out all over... Oh, sorry, I've got the Blue Blood comes out. Gets all, oh. <laughs> I've... The blue blazer comes out. Yeah, the blue blazer. No. <laughs> um, it's Earl Robert, I believe, comes out and gets all over Finley for the disqualification. So, uncensored, no sanction, and we have a disqualification. Yeah, it's Dave Taylor as well. Well, Finley smacks him in the face. Everyone gets everyone gets a punch in the face. It was just. Back. I've got Regal apparently, got a broken nose, a fractured cheek, and 12 cities in the eye as a result of this match. When I went to WCW, well, you know, a totally different style. So Regal was the one that was thrown in there with me. So, you know, you know, we trusted each other. Now, seven, that was good to be in the ring with, you know, and he, he, he takes it and he gives it. Well, it was. It was just one of those things that, you know, Regal and myself had gone like, you know, this is a pay-per-view, let's, let's do something, you know, we, we need to, you know, he was all keyed up, but he called me and go like, you know, we, we need to, you know, get, get this, step it up a bit, okay, you know, so, you know, I just, during the match, went, grabbed him by the hair and said, grit your teeth, and I punched him right in the face and exploded his face all over the place, you know. Broke his nose, he had 12 stitches up here, fractured his eye socket. And uh, I think I think they sent down uh, Regal and Bobby Eaton to break it up. So that was the finish of the match with the uh, the Blue Bloods hitting the ring. And <clears throat> but, you know, that's, that's the business. That's how, you know, you know, most people would curl up in a ball if you'd done that to them. They don't want that anymore. Oh, this is not wrestling, you know. Well, that's what it is, you know. That's where we come from. That's our history. Just from all this, from all the potatoes and everything that's being thrown around, it just um, it makes you wonder though, like, because the, the run out at the end with the blue boys was didn't really make a lot of sense. So whether there was a different ending and they just decided, fuck it, we'll do whatever we want. But like I said, a DQ ending on an unsensitive pay per view. <sighs> there we go. It was this. This was good, but it was far too long. Yes. Like, there's yes. A, you know, the the hard-hitting, brawling style is good, but it's got to build towards something. Like, it can't be 20 minutes of just really punching each other in the face. I mean, it's just a poor man's boxing if, if we're going to go that route. So, very, you know, very enjoyable, but just shave five minutes or so off and give us a proper ending, and this could have been really decent. Yeah, as a, as a wrestling match, it wasn't a classic, but as a brawl, it was, it was good. We then go to Gene with Jimmy Hart and the Giant, and the Giant spins some nursery rhymes, so we'll splice some of that in. I don't know what to tell you now, so I'm back in the locker room area right now. This man to my immediate left, seven foot four, 
400 and 40 some odd pounds will be facing another giant of sorts, the nearly 700 pound Loch Ness. That's a man, by the way, that you publicly humiliated. You adiosed him here a, a week or so ago. You don't mean Gene Jimmy tonight's Hart. tonight, baby, that Jimmy Hart proves to the whole world, baby, why he's the greatest professional wrestling manager in the world today. Nobody puts their hands on me and gets by with it. Whether it's Sting, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and especially the big 750 pound Loch Ness, baby. All right, let's talk to a man who's going to have to get in the ring. You're tall. This man is wide. He's your target tonight. And the winner of this match tomorrow night on WCW Monday Nitro, I have been informed, will face the nature boy, Ric Flair, for the WCW heavyweight title of the world. I could start off with rhymes. I could start off with riddles. Loch Ness in the ring. I'm going to smoke you like bacon on the griddle. And let me tell you, Ric Flair... You better think about what's going to happen to you. Because Monday Night Nitro, after the cage match today, I'm going to tell you limb from limb that WCW Heavyweight Championship belt was mine, is mine, and is going to be around my waist again. That belt is mine, and that's all that needs to be said. Thank you very much. The seven-foot-four-inch giant Facing Loch Ness, coming up here at Uncensored. Jimmy Hart, I thank you very much. You know, all of this is something to ponder here tonight. Dusty, and of course the brain, Weasel. <laughs> Tony, let's get back to you. Yeah, I love the giant Ness, you're on. <laughs> and then we go to the commentary team chatting about Medusa versus Colonel Robert Parker. Um, we see Gene shilling the hotline, and then he brings in Loch Ness for a very shit promo. And then Gene oh. insults his teeth, so... What is what going on on this show? Yeah. Why didn't he just smack him? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been knackered if he'd done that. Yeah. Oh, I'd, have, I'd have twatted him one. I'm not going to stand here and be insulted by Mean Gene. <laughs> then we go to our next five-star classic of the evening, Medusa up against Colonel Robert Parker. We get a lock-up and Medusa's back to the corner. Uh, we get a hip toss and then an aeroplane spin before Medusa comes back with a sunset flip for a two and a slam to a pretty decent pop from the crowd. Colonel Robert Parker puts on a lifting choke. Medusa comes off the second rope with a missile drop kick and then a dive, but the Colonel catches her and they lie down very gently on the outside. So <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a poor spot. Uh, we get a German suplex for a two count, but Dick Slater makes a save, and Colonel Robert Parker is able to pick up the pin with the assist for the one, two, three, allowing the men to win this battle of the sexes. Yeah, it was um, it's just this match, like the start of the match when like the Parker and Medusa, the Parker, the Parker and Medusa like lock up, and then they do a clean break, and Dusty's like, "Did you see that? Did you see that? He did a clean break." Like, like it's the most amazing thing in the world. This would have been a lot better if it was Medusa and La Parker, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. yeah so <laughs> it was a bit weird as well. Um, if you didn't know that Dick Slater was actually married to Medusa. So I did I'll, not know that. Yeah, in the, in, in the real world. And then he costed the match. What a dick. Yeah. Dick Slater, he's known on other, on other podcasts. <laughs> I guess he wants her back in the kitchen, hey? Yeah, his dick is so dirty. <laughs> Uh, just awful, awful stuff. I don't know what the point of this was. I mean, I guess it got some heat on Colonel Robert Parker, but I mean, this story can only really end one way with Medusa getting the win, can't it? I don't know. It's like the whole like, Medusa's came in not that long ago. No. Threw the title in a bit, and since then, 
this is like you've got that you had this shit in Vegas and then now you've got this. Like let's put let's keep a got to protect Colonel Roberts heat and bury Medusa at the same time. It's very hard. I pretty much killed Medusa and Sherry through involvement with Colonel Robert Parker and I'm not sure what the benefit is. Yeah. And he's just like he's, and then like he's just he's still there for like quite a while after this. Not in this feud, just in WCW. Like if we got some hillbillies or whatever, and then just get chucked with Colonel Robert Parker. So from there, we go to Lee Marshall with the Legion of Doom, who cut quite a lengthy promo considering their strong point is really getting the point across quickly and loudly. So a bit of an interesting one, this. But um, what did you think of the LOD? Yeah, just classic LOD. Classic shouting. Can't be a bit of shouting. So we then go to our next matchup, which is Diamond Dallas Page up against the Booty Man. And this is at the point where my notes just start to say, fuck off, I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, this was supposed to be um, the blow off to the DDP Johnny B. Bad feud, which well, I don't think we covered any of their matches in any of our reviews of pay per view, which slightly disappointed. He said, a sense of irony, is every pay per view is the DDP Johnny B. Bad match. Yeah, I think I got, uh, to, I got to them solo, sadly, so we didn't get the chance to really discuss the final workings of them. I know. Well, obviously, Miro, this is just before, well, obviously, you'll see the next show where Miro ends up. So, instead of getting that, we get fucking Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Cheers. Which starts with a horrendous booty song. Yeah, actually, I think that's the best bit of it. <laughs> I'll splice a bit in and let everyone decide. Tony Schiavone, as if his credibility could take any more of a pounding, calls Booty Man one of the greatest in the world. Fuck yeah. right off. I think I, I think I could start wrestling now and be better at wrestling than Bruce the Barber Beefcake, and he had about fucking 20 years' experience. And <laughs> Hulk Hogan is his best friend. Yeah, oh, just terrible. The match starts with DDP arguing with the crowd for cheap heat before they take turns asking the crowd for approval in some absolute bullshit house show nonsense. Just nothing going on whatsoever. Big giant waste of time. Booty Man gets a shoulder block and it's at this point where my notes then turn to can I quit? Do I have to do this anymore? (laughs) Booty Man goes under the arm and struts. DDP then bumps for Nick Patrick because why wouldn't you bump for a referee in a match that's had no fucking moves with your opponent? They brawl along the outside. They do a crisscross because that's what was needed here. DDP hits a back suplex and a chin lock. This is boring as fuck. Booty Man brings out a high knee for the one, two, three, and this is going to rate on the hammerlock scale. I've got here nine out of ten, too long, coke. Yes, negative five. I give it a negative four because we Kimberly dressed as a cheerleader, so... Decent. Yeah, the high knee. I hate that. In fact, it's called a high knee because it's the booty one. This match had zero redeeming qualities. Fuck everybody involved. Fuck everybody that filmed it, booked it, decided it should make it to my TV, and fuck me for starting a podcast where I had to watch it. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, no, I believe it was also supposed to be an I quit match, but that didn't matter. Oh, I quit. <laughs> yeah, we quit. <laughs> oh, man. We then go to Gene with Lex Luger and Jimmy Hart. Um, and this is apparently going to be the last time Jimmy Hart manages Lex Luger. I'm not, I didn't catch this storyline coming up on Nitro, so it must be a fairly new development. Yeah, I think because with the goings on with Pillman and whatnot, it's kind of like it was all very. This was like their last minute replacement, Luger being switched to the Doomsday Cage match, and then they kind of had to kind of just rush things and change things. I mean, for me, this whole Lex Luger promo and all of it was probably the best bit of the night. What I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, what I don't understand is, though, he was advertised as not being in the tag match before this switch was made. So what was the original plan for Luger? Was he just not going to be on the show? Well, I think he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be in that street fight, remember, because we've got a Chicago street fight, not in Chicago. Yeah, but and, a, a couple and, of Nitros uh, before, they said that he wasn't going to be in the match and Sting was going to be going solo. Oh, I, don't, I don't remember. It's kind of... It's been that long and... <laughs> This is blocked all my wrestling memory. So I think I think I don't know. I, I was, like I said, I've always been under the impression that it was supposed to be Flexi Lexi and Sting. Now, if you know the answer to this question, get in touch. <laughs> and yeah, Lex is essentially, as we've alluded to here, in the main event, not in the tag match with Sting. So Sting's going to have to find himself a new partner, and Lex is going to be in the alliance to end Hulkamania. Because no, I think over the on the weekend shows that we don't get, Jimmy Hart pulled him out of the Chicago Street fight and put him into the Doomsday Cage match. But on the bravado, I think, yeah, and then he said, Jimmy Hart was like, you do this for me, and then like he doesn't have to worry about Jimmy Hart. Like That's why then Jimmy Hart says he'll stop being his manager if he does him this, does him this favour. And so yeah, it all ends nicely, and he gives him that jacket, and he plays air guitar on his abs. That makes perfect sense. For once. Yes. <laughs> we then go... Think me and Gene turn to blow out his ass. <laughs> me Gene is on a roll on this show, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I love a bit of me and Gene. I did get but the... Like, he's golden in all of this. I think he's, he's absolutely brilliant. If he could, if it stayed like this, I think he would have got better than he, than he would. Like I said on Twitter, it reminds me of John Cena across with Bo Dallas. <laughs> what a combination. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. And um, I just got the Mean Gene action figure this week as well, so very timely. No, I said he's that right ah. I saw her on Instagram. Very good. <laughs> as one of us gets a message. That was not me. I'm I'm professional and turn my phone down. (laughs) I've got no friends. (laughs) (laughs) We then go to the giant versus Loch Ness because this at this point in the show this was exactly what it was screaming out for. Um, at this point, I'm sitting rewinding and watching DDP Boogeyman again. <laughs> and a sign of things to come. Loch Ness trips on his entrance. The fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Loch Ness, who last show was the guy who was, who was going to be taking on, um, like, to stop Hulk Hogan. Now all of a sudden his face and fighting the Giant, who were in the same group, all very mashed, moshed. Yeah, the two biggest guys in the Alliance are now fighting each other instead of being in the Alliance, which is very odd. Yes. So the match is not much. I mean, there's a few headbutts from Nessie and some strikes. Giant with some corner strikes. He misses a stinger splash and flies over the top rope in a nice bit of agility from the big man. I don't think it's intentional, though, was it? 
Loch Ness hits a big elbow, misses a second, Giant hits a leg drop for the 1-2-3 in a completely shite match that was at least mercifully very short. Uh, and the Loch Ness's career ends like it began with a, what? <laughs> Who are you? Goodbye. Yeah, see you later. He was very ill there, wasn't he, really? Which makes it a bit sad. Yeah, just not good, though. Not good at all. Lee Marshall's now with Booker T and Sting. So Booker T is going to be Sting's partner. They do a very good shouty promo and tend to get across the point that they're going to be doing this to, you know, Booker T is going to be owed a title shot in the future for helping out Sting here. Yeah. Had he wanted somebody from the street, remember? That's not racist at all. No. <laughs> Definitely Maybe not. Maybe start talking in the bonics in the, tag, in the pre-match interview. Two of the world's finest athletes get together and discuss, if you will, a mutual admiration society, how one has use and need for the other. Well, that is just about ready to happen. I'm talking about the Chicago street fight. Wrestling and politics do indeed make for strange bedfellows. If this were an all-star game, you would see a, a team like this. Let me bring in one half of the world tag team champions, the man known as Sting, and maybe for this event only, his partner from Harlem Heat, Booker T. Stinger, what about it? You do need this man. Wait, let, me, let me tell you something. It kind of goes like this. Me and Sting, we didn't already talked about what's at stake here, a friendship thing and all of that put to the side. But me, straight OG brother from the hood, I got something to prove. That's to the road warrior. That's first at hand, the road warriors. I heard them out here talking a little earlier about what they're going to do. They ain't scared. But let me tell you, when it's all over with, after they come down 110th Street, it's going to be a Harlem Street fight, sucker. Straight OG, it's gonna be on like neck bone if you know what I'm talking about, Sting. Straight OG brother, is that what you're saying? That's right. Straight OG from Harlem, right? Mm -hmm. You came from the streets, didn't you? Don't forget that, come on. Yeah. I need you like you were yeah. earlier. I need you kicked hey, off, man. I want you bad to the don't, bone. Don't make me knock you out right now, yeah, fucker. Yeah, that's what I want you to say, only I want you to knock out one of the warriors. <laughs> you know why? Because it's obvious my brothers in paint had thrown a friendship out the door. So guess what, road warriors? Those detached retinas and those kneecaps that are detached, forget it, because Booker T and the Stinger are coming at you like you'll never believe. We heard it earlier from the Road Warriors. They said that they were going to come after everybody, and that includes you guys. Believe me, this may be well the match of your life, Booker. Look at that Sting, five-time world champ. You're looking at Harlem Heat, four-time world tag team champ. The Scorpion Deathlock, Harlem Hangover. It's going to be nothing but a thing, like a chicken wing on a string. When we finish these two suckers, because you know what's happening. Oh, like neck bone. Give it to me. Come on, give it to me. Like I say, you know what's happening when it's all over. It's going to be me and you and Lex Luger for the we're you talk about a couple of guys with their game faces on Booker T and Sting. Let's go to the ring. Very, very good. <laughs> and it's then the Chicago Street Fight. Um, the LA Mississippi. Yes, um, with the Legion of Doom taking on Sting and Booker T. <laughs> this actually starts pretty good with a really good four-man brawl, and they start to get some good moves in pretty early with a. Big kick from Booker, power slam from Animal. Um, we get Sting crutched on the ropes and then balls first into the ring post. And Sting returns the favor on that as well. So lots of ball shots early on. Yeah, I've got, I've got my notes. I think this match is 70% ball shots and karate <laughs> shots. I think Bruce Hart must have booked this one. <laughs> if you look closely at the crowd as well, you can see people actually start to die. <laughs> we get a, a slam by Sting. Um, I 
pile driver on the floor from Booker T, which Hawk no sells by immediately popping up like Superman. What the fuck? Oh dear. We get a really awful double feature, which seems to be a big WCW mid-90s thing, but it just means you get half as much viewing as you normally do because they don't split your screen dead in half. They put two little inset boxes under your TV. So I can only imagine the TV I had in 1995, this would have been unwatchable. Yeah, but the thing is, though, it's not like they just put it on two split screens. You've got two really small screens and a big fuck-off background, which takes up most of the screen, so you can't actually, so you can't actually see what is actually going on. No, it's shite. Um, we get a drop kick on the concrete from Hawk because why wouldn't you throw drop kicks when you're going to land on the concrete? Uh, yeah. The split screen ball, a brawl just sees people going everywhere. Sting gets a chair, but then Animal unloads on him with it. Another big kick by Booker T and then Sting with a pile driver and Hawk once again no sells. So I'd probably stop going for that move if I was Sting and Booker. He's not even like he comes from Samoa, Hawk no. or anything. There's no reason why he has this ridiculously strong neck and head. He is far too fair-skinned to have that tough of a cranium, I believe, by the logic of wrestling. It must be, it must be his hair cut. It must cushion it. <laughs> yeah, so if you hit Animal with it, he's he, it's devastating to him because he's got the hair in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk hits a powerbomb. They brawl into the crowd. Uh, Booker T with a top rope clothesline. Um, Sting with a bit of a flare flop, landing face first in Animal's balls. So some more ball shots yeah. going on here. Uh, this is going on way too long at this point, and it's only really halfway done as well. Um, there's a drop, uh, Booker T with a drop kick, a gut wrench powerbomb from Hawk, uh, suplexes all round, some more brawling. It's still going, and it's getting really long. Hawk with a power slam for a two, um, and then they get some broom spots in. Booker T essentially then just walks out, and Animal, like the Mong that he is, follows him to the back rather than double-teaming Sting and picking up the win. Um, yeah. Then we see Lex Luger crimping his hair as Animal comes out and hits him. And then Stevie Ray and Lex Luger double-team Animal, um, cuff him to a post and tape him up. And then back in the ring, Stinger goes for the Stinger splash. Oh, sorry, around the ring and hits a rail. Booker T comes in, hits a side slam, but misses the Houston hangover. Stevie Ray with a chair, and this allows Booker T and Sting to pick up the 1-2-3. Yeah, but they, like, they went to a 4 on one at the end, and they still nearly lost. Uh, when, when, Steve Ray, when Steve Ray got involved, Dusty would just call him like the other Harlem Heat as well, which made me laugh, but he didn't even call him by name. <laughs> oh, Dusty's magical on this, isn't he? Yeah, to Dusty, they all look the same. Yeah, this was just um, not good at all. But it just went way... Like like a few of these things, it just went way too long. It's like they only had 80% of a card book, so they just gave them all longer time without any idea what to do with it. Yeah. But yeah, continues on, and this takes us all the way to our main event, which is the alliance to end Hulkamania up against the Mega Powers. You think, oh, is it at this point where I start to think that like, in the back they almost have met up and gone like, should I have a bet to he could have the worst match of the night? And Hulk Hogan won. <laughs> so, if you don't know what this match is, it's really hard to explain, um, but we're going to try. It's Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Meng, the Barbarian, Kevin Sullivan, the Ultimate Solution, Lex Luger, and Z Gangster, aka Zeus, taking on the Mega Powers, Macho Man, and Hulk Hogan. So yes, that is a very, very numeric advantage for the heels here, and it's a doomsday cage match. So what this means is Hogan and Macho will start in a section of the cage against a couple of guys, 
punch kick them for a while, move to the next section, punch kick them for a while, move to the next section. It's never really clear how they actually win the match. But the heels, we're told, can pin Hogan or Macho at any time to win the match. So it's almost like, you remember them side-scrolling fighter games you would play in the 90s where heels just appear and you beat them up with no real knowledge as to what you're doing. You just know more heels will appear and you'll beat them up some more. Oh, it was. It was like a battle royal, but when no one gets thrown over the top rope. <laughs> it was It was all the worst bits of every gimmick match you can imagine put into one. <laughs> so the first portion of the cage is Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, um, and it's just standard cage brawling. And there's actually, because they're in layers of a cage, it's sort of, and it goes down, the floor is made of the cage mesh as well, so there's nothing really they can do in there other than punch and kick and work their way down. Bobby Heenan tells us that this is better than the Super Bowl, better the world, better than the World Series, and he says it with zero conviction. Well, no, Rick Flair's dressed in his wrestling gear, but Arn Anderson's dressed like a burglar, which is <laughs> slightly odd. Oh, it's just, and it's several Rick minutes. Rick Flair is your world champion, and he's just one of many taking on Hulk Hogan. Oh, and Macho's there too. Yeah, originally it was supposed to be four on one. It was Hulk versus four people, but then they decided that wasn't big enough, so that's why Macho Man got added, and then the number of baddies got times to twice. Times to, yeah, times twice. Doubled. Doubled, yes. Um, and it's just really like, it's just several minutes of punch kick. Uh, we can't really see it. The crowd's very dark. I'm assuming the crowd can't really see it either. It's just... no pretty shit um they open a trap door and rick flair and arn anderson climb out basically so they go down to the next level where it's four on two it's kevin sullivan lex the barbarian and meng and it's just more brawling hogan gets a chain um we have more double features for some reason they're not really necessary hogan's having no trouble whatsoever mowing through the heels macho's selling a little bit but still not having too much difficulty Many more minutes of punch kick. Uh, we get a locked door. Meng and the Barbarian are out. We get some great shouty selling by Lex Luger, which is the highlight of the match for me. Yeah. Hogan and Kevin Sullivan brawl on a scaffold for a while. They tease Kevin Sullivan dropping, but we don't do that because that would be too interesting for this show. Yeah, but they said, like, oh, uh, like Macho Man and Hulk can win by escaping the cage, and then Hulk technically escapes the cage, but then we just forget anything and we just carry on because wrestling <laughs> and no one knows what the hell's going on we get a ball shot by kevin sullivan because that's just what this show needed at this point in time um macho man and lex luger brawl in the cage flair and arn anderson are in a locked cell with meng and barbarian hulk hogan and kevin sullivan brawl on the on the floor lex and macho man join them for some floor brawling we get Hogan breaking a microphone on Kevin Sullivan. Then all the heels are out. Um, and why the fuck is there a ring in the bottom of the cage? That I didn't understand because they don't use it for anything. No. Something to build around, I reckon. Yeah. They then head towards the actual ring. So this cage structure is kind of up near where a Titantron would be in this day and age. But what purpose it serves, I have no idea. Um, at least the foresight to build it away and before the show like they didn't just stop trying to build it like just before the main event started so you can give them a slight bit of credit for that I suppose I guess so Tony Schiavone then says this has been spectacular 
No, Tony. No, it hasn't. <laughs> he was probably eating a Snickers or something. He wasn't talking about the match. The match then basically turns into a really dull tornado tag. Lex Luger hits both faces with a chair, uh, but the faces are in total control. They're never in any danger whatsoever. We then get, finally, Ultimate Solution and Z-Gangster join the match, which, for reasons, they were never in it before. Z-Gangster comes out and begins beating on his old partner, the Macho Man. So I was a bit disappointed there. They seem to have a pretty tight bond back in 89. Yeah. Drags him back back to the cage and into the ring that the cage is on momentarily. Macho hits a top rope axe handle to the future Debo. (laughs) And the crowd are sort of behind Hogan as we get two of them choking him down and we get a ultimate solution press slam for Macho Man. Uh, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair inexplicably come back into the match. That's so now four on two in the cage with Solution and Z Gangster. Um, and then Booty Man comes out and just hands Macho and Hogan some fry pans. Doesn't help them or get involved in the match. He just gives them fry pans, you know, in case they're hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm freedom powder. <laughs> I'm freedom powder, yeah. Uh, they, hit, they take turns hitting all the heels with the pans before Macho Man pins Ric Flair in what was an eight-on-two handicap match where your world champion is the one to eat the pinfall. What the actual fuck was that? Yeah, it was like the frying pans was like one of them. It was like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Was that they were just running around attacking them with the frying pans? That was chasing a burglar out. Your... And then, yeah, it ends with a loaded glove. In a, in this hellacious match, it ends with someone being punched with a loaded glove. Just and not even by not even not even one of the Hogan or Savage wearing a loaded glove. Lex Luger was. Yeah, so Pretty he ac- accidentally hits one of them, doesn't he? Yeah, and then the fact that like everything happens, and then Hulk and Savage walk out, and then Randy Savage kind of goes, "Oh shit, I need to do something," and then he kind of runs in and pins Ric Flair just because it kind of has to have an ending. I didn't actually in the first run notice the loaded glove, so it comes up here in my notes during the replays where it was actually Lex Luger nailed Ric Flair with the loaded glove, which the commentary team try and say he did on purpose as well, which is just weird. Yeah, there is a slight ping of hesitation before he does it. But then, obviously, in a match full of all these people, it's the 13-time world champ Ric Flair who's got to be pinned because Ric Flair. This was, I'm going to go on record, the worst cage match of all time, bar none. And I genuinely fell asleep watching this. (laughs) I wish I fell asleep. I woke up and had to rewind it. I felt awful having to go back. I'm like, so this was time wasted. I finished this match, then I went and watched an Eric Rowan match. That's how that's how that's how bad this was. <laughs> it really scarred you. This was, <laughs> this was just so awful. Like, I'm just gonna put this out there before we even move on. Is this the worst show we've ever watched? Yeah. But easily, and I think it's the worst match we'll ever watch, apart from if we hear, if we ever watch the fabled Heroes of Wrestling. Oh, that is definitely we... on the cards. Yeah, because it's just like I don't, if I don't hate myself enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, pretty sure that's all crazy. on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's just it's just crazy to think that like what's in two months' time, how this is when you see this to what we're gonna get. It's kind of mind blowing. Whether Scott like Scott Olds turning up soon and whatnot. Yeah, I've got to think Bischoff saw this and went, right, what can we do? <laughs> oh, God. Anything Set but fire. this. 
Yeah, you'd be, you'd be. This is about the point in time where you'd have to be seriously regretting Hogan's contract, where he gets a percentage of the pay per view revenue and ten billion dollars every time he's on Nitro. <laughs> I know, and it's the kind of thing like this is just goes to prove like Hogan. Hogan's not the one anymore. Like stuff like this is, it's dog. Oh, it's just terrible. The the worst. I I don't think we can say enough bad stuff about it. Fuck uncensored. Let's move on. Yes. If you uh, if you if you if you choose to watch this uh, after our review, then don't stare directly at it like an eclipse. Watch <laughs> it through something. Otherwise, it may burn your eyes. You know what I always say on 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 these shows is, you know, get in touch, chat to the show, send me a tweet, let me know what your thoughts. If it comes to Uncensored, don't bother, I don't care. No. Don't talk to us about this show, we want to forget it. Um, very sorry, don't mean to be rude, but I never want to talk about Just, this ever again. If, but if there are people who watch this and do need any help, then remember there are people like ourselves who have survived this ordeal and are <laughs> kind of offering advice going forward. Yeah, <laughs> this is just awful. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> so, WrestleMania 12, should we do it? Yeah, please. It is the dream of the challenger to become champion. The crowning achievement in a lifetime of yearning. It is the dream of the champion to aspire to excellence. His legacy indelibly etched in the annals of time. Shawn Michaels, the confident challenger, a maverick who spits in the face of adversity. Bret Hart, a triumph of tenacity, the mighty ring general who stands in defiance of defeat. Tonight, for one illustrious hour in the Iron Man match, we will witness their passion, applaud their heroics, marvel at their gift to enthrall. Two craftsmen engaged in an extraordinary athletic event, two men bound by the dream. After 60 grueling minutes, one man, exhausted, will have his arm raised high, the quest realized, the challenge overcome. One man, expended, will breathe loneliness. Unwilling to surrender, he will have been stripped of the dream. WrestleMania 12 starts with a boyhood dream video. I had a boyhood dream of good wrestling for the podcast, um, but that will have to wait for another day. And we get some good drama about will this be Shawn Michaels achieving his dream or Bret Hart losing his dream in a pretty decent opening video package. I didn't mind that. Yeah, the video package is starting to like take off now. We then get... The little tingle of the World Wrestling Federation. For 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. You're like, ooh. Nostalgic film. Yeah, I, um, I, I watched a show yesterday or the day before with the old, with the even older one, What the World is Watching, and it just sent tingles down my spine as well. 
Yes. Some some pre-show trivia. This is the first face versus face match since WrestleMania six. Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Classic. Um, also, only one. This is the only features one title match on it. The other, the tag title match was bumped to the pre-show, which is a bit a bit special when you think of WrestleMania. Yes, that's not the only thing bumped to the pre-show. Sadly. Oh, no. And, and Ray's home is on the poster. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Just not not the best period of time for pre-planning and organisation for the World Wrestling Federation. No. Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler are our commentary team, and they're trying to do a, a rundown of the show, um, you know, give a, a rundown of what to expect. And Vince is interrupted by Vader's music, and he is not like he is legitimately pissed off by this. Like they fucked up the cues, and he can't hide it whatsoever. Oh, that's just brilliant. And this is, of course, like you, if you're into the little details like me, this is the only WrestleMania where they had a printed logo on the ring canvas, which was really cool as well. So that's something that popped up in the video games all the time. But this is the only time they actually did it. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely got to have that for my figures. <laughs> <laughs> you know me; it's got, it's got, it's got to do something. You got to do it right. Indeed, I got a new title belt on the on the way this week, so I'm very much looking forward to that. It's the Andre belt. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I've got to try and get these hung up on my wall at some point. And we still very understanding wife. Yeah, very, very understanding. She knew what she was getting when she married me. She's had two kids since. So. <laughs> we always say I'm safe because neither of us want the kids. Nice. <laughs> we'll never divorce. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we open up with a six-man tag match. It's Vader, the British Bulldog, and Owen Hart in quite the dream team, taking on Yokozuna, Ahmed Johnson, and Jake the Snake Roberts in not so much the dream team. We spot. Yoko they got five minutes. He, Yoko got five minutes in the ring with Jim Cornette. Yep. So, and they did a little demonstration, which we see a video of, um, where Yoko Zuna jumps, does a bonsai drop onto like a what's meant to be like a mannequin with a balloon with Jim Cornette's face painted on. And I'm guessing the idea behind that was to pop the balloon, but it didn't pop when he bonsai dropped it. No. So it just looked a bit shit. Before the match gets underway, we spot Vlad the Superfan in the front row. So definitely this is the time period where he managed to get to every single pay-per-view in the first row or so, or so close to. Yeah. yeah well, now, I mean, do you know he's the long-haired guy who's in the, who's all the WWF pay-per-views now with his mom? Have you noticed him? No, I can't say he's I have. Like, oh, God, he ruins it. There's this long-haired guy and his mom, and they're on the front, in the front row of every... Raw after pay-per-views, every pay-per-view, after the NXT pay-per-view. And after, I'll sit there and watch it, and then I'll just be like, oh, for fuck's sake, not him again. <laughs> just ignore him. I can't ignore him. Look at him. And I'll, I'll send him. I've got to spot him now. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be on the lookout. Do you know one of the things? Is it just me? And then I Googled long-haired guy from Rome, and there is so many pages of like, who the fucking hell is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's not just me. All right, I'm going to keep my eye out for him. The modern day Vlad. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet he's got a Twitter called Long Haired Guy or some shit like that. Oh. Yeah. Probably not even his mom. He's probably just his like, really old girlfriend. <laughs> oh, man. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> and, he loves the, and he loves the Ascension. Okay, that's um, fair enough. <laughs> 
you got to be pretty deep into it to be front row at every pay per view. So I guess you know, loving the Ascension would come in that kind of territory. Yeah. We get Vader and Yoko starting off brawling, um, and then a six man brawl, a big clothesline from Yoko, and then he clotheslines Vader to the outside. Um, Ahmed Johnson hits a nice plancher, and we get some outside brawling. We get Yoko and Owen Hart coming in. Yoko's pounding away, but the Bulldog saves him from an avalanche. And we then get some um, heels pounding on Yoko Zuna. Yoko with a belly-to-belly suplex. Ahmed comes in with the Bulldog. Um, and we're told that Ahmed Johnson received the Slammy the night before for the new sensation in the WWF. But you didn't want to review that, so we didn't watch it. <laughs> 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 Missed out, mate. <laughs> Ahmed hits a big tackle on Vader. Owen Hart with a nice enziguri. Vader with a splash. Jake comes in um, and gets a short clothesline. The crowd very hot for the DDT, so that little setup's never been forgotten. Owen Hart blocks it, though, and Jake Roberts comes back with a knee lift. We get an avalanche by Vader. Top rope elbow from Owen, and then some more big man brawling between Yoko and Vader. We get a pretty decent pop for Yoko here. Yeah, Vince McMahon loves the big man brawling as well, but then two are going at it. You can, you can hear his trousers bursting. Yeah, Vince McMahon. This is this is the kind of match where we could revisit my old theory that Vince loves to make fat men diet because he brings them in for being big and then spends their whole career trying to get them to lose weight. I just don't understand it at all. Wow. You'd have a field day with me. <laughs> I know. And the whole time you notice that Mr. Fuji's waving the American flag. Yeah, what a turncoat. <laughs> despise him you little shite <laughs> oh my god the best like the, the evil one Mr. Fuji and he's just waving a flag like a gimp yeah and holding the soul <laughs> um, Yoko nails all the heels Jake hits a DDT on Owen Hart grabs Cornette but that allows Vader to hit him with the Vader bomb for the 1-2-3 in a fairly decent opener this wasn't bad considering the men involved. I probably would have preferred Owen and the Bulldog to get a bit more shine, but I mean, it kept Vader and Yoko confined in a match where people could work around them. So this was pretty good. No, yeah, I was pretty fair. I was pleasantly surprised. I think the show before, I kind of like buried it a bit because Yoko was in it. But I mean, obviously, it would have been nice to have gone just Yoko and Vader and possibly had the other two in a separate tag match. But it works. My slight criticism is. I would have liked to see Owen in a bigger role, but this is all about Vader, really. Obviously, with what the ascension that was planned with him, um, it just in this match, Yoko Zuna was a better worker than Ahmed Johnson, even though Yoko Zuna was two times the size of Ahmed Johnson. But, <laughs> no, it's good. I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah, decent. Not too bad. We then... It's also odd, obviously, with the, with the stipulation of five minutes alone in Jim Cornette, and it didn't happen, which is a rarity. Obviously, it usually happens, and then some some chicanery happens, and you could know, get fucked over, but we didn't even have that. It just, we finished. Yeah, you lost. Tough luck. Yeah. See you later, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. It's time to diet. Uh, yes. Oh, man, love it. Absolutely love it. We then get Michael Cole voicing over a video for Roddy Piper and Goldust, so I didn't realise Michael Cole was here in March of 1996. No. Great. 
And from there, we go straight into Rowdy Roddy Piper taking on Goldust in the Hollywood Backlot Brawl. So this is a very famous match that people have been speaking about for years. Uh, and I've got to admit, it was pretty decent. Um, I heard on, I believe, Bruce Pritchard's podcast recently that Piper and Goldust, because there was going to be movie people on the back lot, decided they'd just stiff the shit out of each other and make sure it looked real in front of people who film fake fights for a living. Yes. Uh, the, I, the, when Roddy when, when Piper got hit by a car, that wasn't planned, but they kind of they did it just to, like, say, to make themselves look better. And Roddy Piper legitimately breaks his hand during this brawl as well. Yeah. Which made it rather difficult because this was actually taped, I believe, a week in advance. So he obviously can't wear a cast for the live portion that comes up later. So unlucky. Nah. We start off with Roddy Piper attacking Goldust with a bat um, in his big gold Cadillac. Uh, He chokes him with the bat, sends him through a catering table that for some reason is on the outside of a back lot. So, you know, just in case anyone fancied a sandwich walking between buildings. A nice warm sandwich. <laughs> it's really stiff. We get a throw into the side of the dumpster and then Piper nails him with a trash can before getting him with a big industrial fire hose and hosing him down, slamming him onto the hood of the car, a fish drop, and then some blood with a stiff right hand. This is obviously where it breaks his hand. Goldust saves himself from what's probably going to be death soon with a low blow. Hits Roddy Piper with the car and drives off. Roddy Piper, however, is having none of that and hops himself into a white Bronco to give chase. Yeah, and there we go. The Bronco. (laughs) (laughs) From there, we go to Doc Hendricks with Savio Vega after Stone Cold's entrance. So Stone Cold coming out with Ted DiBiase, still the million-dollar champion. And they talk about the highlights of this feud, one that everybody seems to like except for me. I never, ever, ever liked Savio Vega. Um, just never warm to him whatsoever. No, not, I remember I remember watching him when he made his debut at the King of the Ring. I was a bit like, who's this guy? I think I'm fairly well in Quang. I was about to uh, say I liked Quang better. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit like, obviously, like with all the prelim and everything that came into this, like this, I don't even remember this match being announced for anything. And then like, I was sat there like, holy shit, like when like, Austin came out. Um, it's, it's a sad fact that when the storyline going into this is they were in that tag title tournament, they split up due to Steve Austin being a dick, and then they get a match on the main card, and the tag team tournament final gets knocked into the pre-show. Yeah, the guys that lost get a spot above the actual championship match. Yeah. Uh, just You know, something's just dawned on me as we were talking then. Uh, I was talking about Austin and Vega, and I was thinking, oh, God, all the matches these guys have. Just realise what I think the next pay-per-view is going to give us an amazing match. We're going to be in luck next month. The strap match? No. I th- not. Oh, sorry, but that's what made me think of the next pay-per-view. It's Good Friends, Better Enemies next, right? Uh, yes. Oh, that Diesel and Shawn Michaels match is going to make this all worthwhile. We found some positivity on the show. sadly not we've got a few more to go through yet (laughs) these guys have a bit of early brawling Savio Vega with a side slam they brawl on the outside Austin works over the arm um, and we get a decent looking kick from Savio before Roddy Piper calls into the commentary desk on the phone from his Bronco that is illegal by the way Roddy put the phone down yeah that's when you go oh that's why this match is on yeah. So we can have this. Exactly. 
We get a camel clutch from Austin, a clothesline from Savio, who hurts his arm doing that. So Austin then chop blocks the knee before working over the arm. It's just a little bit clunky. Piper phones in again as Austin hits a couple of elbows and a crossbody uh, from Savio. We get a Luthez Prez from Austin, and they show the footage now of Roddy Piper chasing Goldust, but it's not Roddy Piper chasing Goldust, obviously. It is the OJ Simpson chase. Which was two years ago. Topical. Yeah, that's Vince for you, isn't it? Yeah. This is the guy that hasn't seen Scarface. I think one of the rumours where he was supposed to do try to get OJ Simpson involved somehow in all of this, I think, I've read. I think I might have heard that, but I can't confirm it. I'm, I'm, it sounds like something I've heard before. Yeah, they were going to get like Piper to beat him up or something. Yeah, if you know more about that, do talk to us about this one. We get a spin kick from Vega. Uh, Austin off the top with a flying nothing to eat the boot. Backdrop and a clothesline. And another spin kick attempt by Savio. But he misses and hits the referee. Uh, he hits a big boot, but messes up the spot. So Ted DiBiase has put the belt in. Um, and we go back to the, use the same spot. So Austin has to use the belt twice here because it just it, it, they just blew the timing on the finish. He then locks in the Million Dollar Dream. Ted DiBiase dumps a coke on the fallen referee, Tim White, and Austin still has the Million Dollar Dream locked in. Savio Vega's out cold. Three arm drops later, Austin is your winner on the big stage. I took it as though it was quite... When he, he hit him with the belt once and then he smashed him when he was down the floor, I thought it was quite a good heel thing to do. I thought it was quite heelish. That's something you see very often. Fair enough. Uh, no, I think um, it's just odd seeing like technical wrestler Steve Austin compared to the Steve Austin that we all grew up grew up and grew up with the smash mouth brawler, and then you see this technical masterclass. Really, he managed to carry Savio Vega to a half decent match. So, let me put it to you like this: when the arm dropped the third time, there was no JR going Stone Cold, Stone Cold, <laughs> the Rattlesnake. <laughs> the Austin era has begun. I know. This is a bit. This is a bit. This week it was an odd. It's an odd transition, but fair play. It's an important step on his rise up. I completely understand that. I just don't like Savio Vega. No, I'm not, I'm not guessing on like when they did like the Undertaker's like WrestleMania thing. They did that for Steve Austin. I think they'd like forget about this one. <laughs> yeah, this would be the Nathan Jones match of the streak. <laughs> <laughs> or the Big Boss Man Cake match. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ones they don't show. Yeah. We get more Piper slash OJ footage here. And then Mr. Perfect interviewing a very cool and cocky Big Daddy Cool Diesel for his upcoming match with The Undertaker. Lead standing by. We have the lead, Mr. Perfect. Okay, here I am back in the dressing room area, Diesel. We're going to go back to February in your house when you had this matchup with Bret Hart. We're going to look at some footage right now of where you were taken inside the ring. The hole was in the ring. You were dragged down underneath by The Undertaker. Mind games by The Undertaker. From there, we go to Monday Night Raw. You walked out. The lights were flickering, Diesel. You went to the ring to find The Undertaker. But when you got inside the ring, The Undertaker was gone. More mind games. And then, two weeks ago on Raw, you see yourself, Diesel, inside that coffin. More mind games, Diesel. The question I have for you right now, Diesel, what must be going through your mind and do these mind games by The Undertaker affect you in any way, shape, or form? Do I look like a man that's affected in any way? No, you don't. Exactly. You know, 
They don't call me Big Daddy cool for nothing. I don't sweat the little things. I don't sweat the big things either. Undertaker, you're a big obstacle. Tonight, Big Daddy takes cool of you. And then, Sean, good luck. I'll get you next. Okay, I guess that's what Big Daddy's got to say. Back to you, Jerry the King Lawler. And go ahead, McMahon, you can talk you to if you want. Get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, Mr. Perfect. How the marks here fallen. <laughs> we then get Triple H coming out with the future Sable for his big matchup against the returning Ultimate Warrior, which Jerry Lawler speculates he's got a crew cut and he's 300 pounds now. Uh, but his entrance does get a decent pop. He does the typical sprint to the ring. Um, it takes a long time, and he's got some Ultimate Warrior Pyro as well. Triple H tries to get the jump on him while he's in the ring, but hits him with a pedigree. It's completely no-sold. Warrior hits three clotheslines, a flying shoulder, a press slam, and a splash, then pins Hunt Hunter with his knees for the one, two, three in a complete burial squash. Yeah. And this was before, like he, like Triple H even did the that the when he got played for the curtain call and got buried. So this was even before that, which is a bit weird. Yeah, well, then, from, from, from all accounts. Re- sorry. Sorry, so then, then obviously after this match, Triple H never recovered. No, he's never and the same, was he? Again. Yeah. I wonder what became of him. Oh God knows. <laughs> well, he definitely learned how to bury people here. We could say that for sure. Yeah, this is where he got his shovel from. Yeah. I wonder if, like, WrestleMania 19, he went, well, that's one-on-one now for Mania burials. Yeah. But, um, no, this was this was atrocious, really bad. For, from all accounts, Triple H had ideas for this match, and the Warrior completely shut him down and said it's going to be a squash, and that's what happened. Well, that's a fair play to him for just being good, for, like, say, just go, okay, that, like, accepting what was happening. So you've got to give him a slight bit of credit for that. When he, when, uh, when he came out and, tr- and Vince made a point of go- naming his valet as being Sable, it's like, oh, foreshadowing. He doesn't do that with any of the others. No, no, definitely not. But no, this was this this was nothing really. I mean, if you've seen a warrior squash on Superstars or Wrestling Challenge or whatever in the late 80s, early 90s, you've seen this match. We then go to the match I was probably most excited for on this show, Diesel taking on The Undertaker, because this feud's actually been pretty good on the Raws leading up. What did you think about it? Uh, it's been pretty good. You missed out the fact that um, before the prior to the match, Mark Nero interview. I didn't even write anything about it. There you go. Yeah, we meet the Wildman for the first time, and then obviously him and Triple H get into a bit of a verbal, and then Sable gets involved, and then that's obviously... We know where that goes. Wildman gets buried, Sable gets the tits out, and then married Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Lesnar and Sable is definitely... That's got movie written all over it. From If you've ever read Brock Lesnar's uh, book that he wrote with Paul Heyman while he was outside of the WWE, that is the scariest-sounding courtship I've ever heard in all my life. He basically just kept breaking into a home until she agreed to date him. Yeah, she took a restraining order out on him. Yeah, it's just... Um... I, I can't imagine that working for someone like me. That's not a marriage, that's kidnap. <laughs> yeah, she eventually just gave in. This is why she, he doesn't have a phone where he lives in Canada, so she can't escape. Yeah, they were like, look, Sable, if you want to ask me, blink three times, but she had that much work, she's like, I can't fucking blink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Lesnar. 
Yeah, he's not got the internet. He's not going to hear this. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Just don't ever get in a room with him. <laughs> oh, my God. Brock Lesnar, you got to love him. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, otherwise he won't let you go. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, you must. Otherwise, you've got a really good window repair man. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> As you uh, imagine, just like a brock shape, brock shape hole in the wall. Like fucking hell, that's again. I can't imagine he'd be much of like a creeper. You'd have to hear him coming. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sneaking up for Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, just going to the kitchen for a drink next minute. Oh, there he is. You could just hear him lightly bouncing from one foot to the other on your front porch. <laughs> <laughs> Dead cow on your shoulder. Brock, you this. I love it. Uh, just make him... Oh, that shocky F5 in the summer slime. Yeah. <laughs> If they want WWE films to turn a profit, they'll make this movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So, Diesel and Undertaker starts with an exchanging of punches, clothesline from Undertaker, and then Diesel clotheslines Undertaker outside where they begin to brawl. We lose the picture for a few seconds, including missing out on Taker's patented knees-to-the-steps bump. Back in the ring, Taker hits a crossbody for a two count and goes old school. They brawl along the outside a little bit more. Diesel sends Taker into the post, um, hits a big boot, slows it down a little bit before hitting a side slam and snake eyes, and the boss man attack on the ropes. A double big boot from the two big men, which is a spot I always enjoy, before Diesel locks in a bear hug, which Undertaker gets out of with a back suplex. Taker hits his lovely top rope clothesline, which I was sad to see him stop using later in his career, before Diesel hits a jackknife, looks very pleased with himself and wastes a lot of time in a typical heel move. Taker sits up and eats a second jackknife. Um, Diesel taunts and then goes to sit down for the pin, which is a little bit weird, allowing Taker to hit the goozle, but gets back up. Diesel hits a side, uh, back suplex. Taker then does come back with a flying clothesline, a choke slam, and a tombstone for the comprehensive one, two, three, part of Diesel jobbing on his way out the door towards WCW. What did you think of this one? That was good. Um, Apparently, uh, Diesel was actually... If if things weren't going to be happening WCW-wise, Diesel was supposed to go over in this match, and then we would never have had the streak. No. Circumstance happens. Um, You can tell here, obviously, Diesel, with what's going on in this move, is quite motivated and a good... A good motivated diesel gives, gives you a good match, really. Um, impressive tombstone to impre- to tombstone a guy that big is uh, impressive. Uh, the two the two power bombs and the stalling is a bit bullshit. You wouldn't do that, would you? Really? Let's get nah. real. I know wrestling's fake, but come on. <laughs> Somebody tell the Bruiser in Finley wrestling's fake. <laughs> But no, I I agree with you. This was this was good. This was I was looking forward to this anyway because I do like I don't know. I kind of Diesel as the champion as a babyface was horrible. Like I've likened on this show and to anyone that listened to me many times, Diesel back into Roman Reigns now. But as a 
cool heel or, you know, someone being a bit of a cocky prick, Diesel's decent. And with the right guy, he definitely can have a good match. He just too often got paired up with the wrong guy with a shit character. Well, yeah, and it's like, obviously, The Undertaker, this is his first real proper... I know he wrestled with Jake and whatnot, but this is a chance for him to wrestle somebody of stature, and he rose to it. Obviously, then he went on to to face a bit of crap for a while afterwards. But no, it's good. 5-0. and 5-0, oh. and oh, he's on the well on the way. Yep. So, from here, we go to Roddy Piper and Gold, uh, Gold Dust driving into the arena. Piper stalks him to the ring. <laughs> Goldberg, this, that would have taken a turn. We get a good brawl before Goldust hits a low blow. Um, and we're told that... Oh, sorry. I have here... I don't know why I've got in... I've got a question mark behind Roddy Piper and Gorilla Monsoon versus Goldust and Vader. I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking out loud that could have been a match or did someone mention that on commentary? Maybe. I don't know. It's similar. Maybe I just was scribbling nonsensically like I, I do occasionally. Um, no. Goldust chokes Piper with his shirt before working over the leg, straddles him and fondles him, punches him and kisses him. So that's quite the combination. <laughs> yeah. Piper gets mad, um, hits some punches and puts him in a bit of a ball claw, uh, knees him to the balls, more ball shots, uh, spanks him, strips him down and Goldust is wearing some sexy lingerie. Gives him a kiss and then a second knee to the balls and Goldust bails out and legs it while the crowd pop for Roddy Piper in the ring. Yeah, it's kind of ironic when um, this Piper spends all that time calling him like a faggot and everything and he's the one who keeps grabbing and punching him in the dick. So, <laughs> Yeah, some um, very interesting overtones there from Piper. But he's, like, he's basically on the way out the door at this point, heading back to WCW. But... For what this was, it certainly helped put Gold Dust on the map. Yes, it was. It looked to me like this was garbage, but the crowd loved it. Like they couldn't, they couldn't do any wrong. It's just just kind of weird that last year, obviously, with going back to WCW Uncensored '95, was when Dustin Runnels had his infamous back of the truck match, which led to him getting fired. And then fast forward a year, and he's in another traffic. Related match. <laughs> Another traffic-related match. <laughs> As I try and put the power back in my computer before it dies on us here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I Vince, I've never seen anything like this. Mm, what, a man in lingerie? I beg to differ, Vince. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've seen this plenty of times before. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you whatever you wanted to. <sighs> <laughs> Fast forward a few years to one of the King of the Rings and he's got Patterson and Briscoe in this as well, so it knows no bounds. <laughs> yeah, true. Look, from here we go to Cole voicing over another video package. This time it's for the Iron Man match. Howard Finkel introduces Gorilla Monsoon. Sexy Boy plays and Jose Lothario comes out. <laughs> um, and he just points to the sky. No, he's not pointing to the WrestleMania sign. We're still a few years away from that. It's Shawn Michaels on one of them big high wires coming down from the ceiling. Pretty sweet, to be fair. Yeah, and we get some pyro coming from the roof as well. It was a pretty good in- entrance. Um, nothing like what Brett does, who just comes out normally. And we're ti- it's time for the Iron Man match. He gave his sunglasses to his son. Very cute. Blade. Sake. <laughs> Earl Hebner. Oh, <no. laughs> Carry on. 
<laughs> Earl Hebner reads the rules a la a boxing match over a microphone to the guys in the ring with Gorilla Monsoon stood behind him. And we get started. So most falls in 60 minutes will give us our winner. And I've kind of broken the, the play-by-play here into 15-minute blocks so that I don't have to talk for 10 minutes straight. So as I as you feel free to jump in as you will, but I'll stop every 15 minutes anyway. Um, very much early on, it's chain wrestling, a bit of cat and mouse. Uh, they work the arm, they work a headlock. It's very slow after five minutes, and the crowd have gone quiet pretty early. Um, it's like the, the pattern of the match early on is grab a hold, quick burst, grab a hold. Yeah. Ten minutes in, and Bret Hart um, won't give a clean break, so a little tiny heel tendency here. They exchange some blows. It is very slow, um, and we get a working of the arm just repeatedly coming in and out, in and out, in and out. As we get our first sharpshooter attempt from Brett right on the 15-minute mark, but Sean gets to the ropes to avoid the fall. Genlock City. Yeah, it's it's pretty dull, isn't it, for early on? Yeah, it must not fast forward. About 15, 16 minutes in, we get our first real highlight of the match, and on the outside, Sean goes for a super kick. Brett gets out the way, and... um, oh, What's the timekeeper's time name? Mark Yeet. Oh. Mark Eaton needs yeah. a super kick on the outside in a really cool spot. I love that. One that gets replayed from time to time as well. The timekeeper's down for the count. Or yeah. for <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully he won't be busy with all these falls. Hope, yeah, I hope he's not got the stopwatch. <laughs> Bret Hart puts on a headlock, which allows the commotion to settle as Mark Eaton is stretched away from the ring. HBK comes back with an arm drag. Brett with a clothesline and back to working the headlock. Vince McMahon tells us that this has been sold out for weeks. Um, what's it got here? It's been sold out for weeks and... Oh, he says this has been sold out for weeks at a time. And I'm like, I don't really know what that means. No. We get a drop kick from Sean and an armbar. Brett, again, won't offer a clean break. Puts some corner strikes on. Brett Hart goes shoulder first into the post. Michaels comes back with a shoulder breaker and a hammerlock slam to capitalize on it, but continues working over the arm. Jerry Lawler repeatedly tells us how he expected lots of high flying from Shawn Michaels, but he's gone with a different style. So thanks very much, King, for telling us this is far more boring than what you expected. Yeah, I started thinking all all on the early stuff, like Shawn's doing all these moves, arm ringers and stuff, but like, just Brett's not selling for any of these. Very weird. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, they're, they're obviously pacing themselves to go the hour, but just don't give them the hour if they can't go. No, like one point, that like Brett's got an arm injury that magically just like disappears, and that's not that's not the Brett we know and love. No. To end the first half hour, Brett hits an inverted atomic drop and a clothesline for a two, and goes for a bulldog headlock. We come into the second period of the match, tied at no falls at all. Bret Hart hits a pile driver in the second period um, for a two count. Michaels hits a sleeper. They brawl along the outside. Bret hits a backbreaker. We get a back suplex um, off the ropes for a two. And that garners booze because the crowd have figured out about 35 minutes into this that there will be no falls and they are no longer interested in this match. Yeah, totally. I knew that two weeks ago when Roddy Piper said there has to be a... It will go as long as possible. There has to be a winner. So it's kind of like... Right. Yep. Prepare to be bored. Yeah. 
Bret Hart's on his back. Um, hit, comes back up with a Russian leg sweep for a two count. Not on his back, sorry. Working over Shawn Michaels' back. Hits a Russian leg sweep for a two. Michaels is then sent over the top rope onto Jose Lothario. And then thrown into him again on the steel steps to end the uh, 45-minute period of the match. We then go into the final stretch. 15 minutes to go. Brett hits a belly-to-belly for a two. A suicide dive and a German suplex for a two. Shawn Michaels invites punches in a bit of a rope-a-dope style. They're both knackered at this point. Michaels begins to fight back. They hit a double clothesline. Brett with a super uh, superplex. Michael sends Bret Hart to the corner, buckles chest first, hits his forearm and his kip up, back elbow and a top rope clothesline, suplex and a top rope elbow, gut wrench suplex as we enter the final two minutes of the match. So Michaels is finally getting his first sort of real flurry of offense. He hits a moonsault for a two count and then a rough jumping, uh, jump off the top rope into a oh, rough jumping Rana off the top rope to a two count, a slam, and he the pace is getting quicker, but he's very tired, so it's still not the normal Shaw Michaels pace. He comes off the top rope, but gets caught in a sharpshooter. There's 30 seconds to go, and the crowd watches pretty bored as they know the clock is about to tick down with Sean in the hold. And that's it. The bell rings. Earl Hebner hands Brett the belt as per the rules, and he walks out having not been beaten inside 60 minutes. Don't do that wrong. Nope. Gorilla Monsoon then comes out and talks to Earl. And Fink announces we're going to have sudden death, which garners booze from the crowd. They don't want any more of this match. No, well, Gorilla Monsoon's back. Like, all right, okay. Like, surely a bit more pompous circumstance for that. It could have come out during WrestleMania or whatever, or let it be known rather than just pop out at the end. Yeah, it's not good at all. Brett's not happy. Um, comes back in and call Bret Hart calls for the bell, which he gets, works over the back of Sean, a backdrop, a backbreaker. There's no heat at all. Sean hits chin music for a small pop, then another for the one, two, three in a Super Cena-esque comeback of epic proportions, having the shit kicked out of him for the best part of 60 minutes, hits two kicks and picks up the win for his first ever world title. The boyhood dream has come true. Shawn Michaels has the belt. Indeed. You then clearly you took the words out of my mouth. You then clearly <laughs> see Shawn Michaels tell Earl to get everyone out in a really awkward moment. Jose Lothario was getting in the ring to celebrate, and Earl goes over and tells him not to. So he just climbs back down and watches from ringside like a fucking muppet. And then Vince, go on, celebrate. <laughs> yeah, Sean sort of cries on the floor, then jumps and dances. At no point now does Jose Lothario, his mentor that's guided him on this journey, get to come in the ring and say well done. At no point in what is a several-minute celebration from Sean Michaels. Yeah, and then he showed his, I've got a note as well, he showed his son singing to Bret Hart's theme, to singing Sean's theme tune as well, which made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We then go to like a bit of a clip show of the night to end the show in what is going to definitely be in my bottom five WrestleManias of all time. How about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, what was it? Five, six matches? Yeah, something Sorry, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, not many. No, one title match. Obviously, whenever you go, when you've got like when you dedicate sixty minutes, obviously in modern day WWF now, this would be an eight-hour car, so everyone would be on it anyway. So, of course, I mean, the plethora of names that are on this WrestleMania. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Not going to screw them. I mean, we should have had Leaf Cassidy. 
<laughs> Razor Ramon. Yeah, obviously had his drug issues. For the purpose of the tape, I did bunny ears when I said drug issues. <laughs> well, there is, there's, quite, there's, there's quite a few people, and obviously Mankind's due to debut tomorrow, which yeah. would have been nice if you'd been on this today, but that's the nature of WWE, and they're after WrestleMania debuts. Um, yeah, I think this match, it was it was a good match. It suffered from two egos neither obviously clearly neither of them wanted to have a pin during the contest when there could have been at least four or five occasions where there could have been pins there should have been pins they shouldn't have gone nil nil um it would have harmed anything to gone three three two two and the, and the crowd would have appreciated it more because if, if, if they've got a, if they've had a pin during it they could have gone like holy shit like but like say when they get to 35 minutes and everyone kind of goes oh and that's it they're dead yeah, this is not the old cliche of an entertaining nil-nil. No, and obviously, I, I just got the, like watching it that like Brett, Brett wasn't happy with what was happening and what was what was going to be done. You can see it; he was he was a bit mardy. And then obviously, because it's just due to take his six months off. I just don't understand how so many people paint this as a classic match. I just found it to be totally boring. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, yeah, it was just a 20, 25 minute match stretched out to sixty. And I've never, I've never been a fan. Of, the only Iron Man match I really liked is the one that does the thirty minute Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle where they just bet the shit out of each other. I didn't mind the um, the Rock and Triple H at Judgment Day. I thought that was a good Iron Man match. That's how it should be booked with falls and different people taking the lead, twists and turns, and it kept the hour entertaining. Yeah, that was a, that was good until Shawn Michaels took a ref bump. And yeah. like, lay down for ages. Like, dude, just Shawn Michaels, get the fuck up. <laughs> Having a bit of a nap in the corner, like Marty Jannetty would have done. <laughs> yeah, I just this is this is just not for me. I mean, fair play to you if you like it, but I just found this to be completely boring, and it showed how badly lacking in star quality the WWF was that they could give these two guys that, you know, a few years ago wouldn't have even been near the main event, give them an hour of WrestleMania because they just had nobody else on the show. No. So, yeah, I think probably the best bet would have been, you're right, to give this half an hour, 40 minutes and probably split that six-man into two different matches. But armchair quarterback many, many years after the fact, it is what it is. Yeah. Obviously, put your tag title match on the actual show, which... Um, yeah, but then it's easy to play armchair booker. The only saving grace from this show was we didn't get Nacho Man and the Huckster on the main show. No, I remember. I remember being when I was a youngster, being like slightly annoyed that I didn't see that match. To be fair, you didn't live in the UK. <laughs> no, we're gutted. It had, it had the most build out of it, all of it. It did. Of it did. It was, they were the only ones to be featured every week on Raw. Yeah. Yeah, you're spot on there. So, overall sh- thoughts on WrestleMania. Did you enjoy it? I didn't mind it. I thought it was it was better than I remembered. Um, solid wrestling. I mean, the six-man tag wasn't offensive. Stone Cold wasn't overly offensive. I hated the Golders Piper stuff. 
Um, Undertaker Diesel was, a, was for me the best match of the card. It should probably be slightly. Um, can't think of the word. I was up early this morning. Um, but amongst the faithful, everyone loves Brett Sean, and I preferred Undertaker Diesel to be honest. Um, yeah, Undertaker, Ultimate Warrior, Dud. They didn't need him for what they at the time. He was just kind of like a. He's like an expense that they didn't need. That was like it's like when the football team buy the buy that player who's really for all the money, but they don't actually really need him, and that's what the Ultimate Warrior was at the time. Yeah, he's very much he's very much the um, WWF's Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what, you don't, what, it's like what are you going to do with him? Like, you know what I mean? Sean's not going to job to him, and the Undertaker's not going to job to him, and you can't put him with this, you can't do him with that. It's it was weird. That's pretty well. I would have gone with the WWE's Fabian Delph. Oh, <laughs> hitting close <laughs> to the bone. There's the career that he ruined. I think Fabian Delft's probably ruined. He's an England international now. Give over. I think he's probably, besides, I think he's probably closer to Sin Cara for his recurring injuries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All I'm going to say to everybody out there, if you are even remotely interested in football, just look up. We're there. <laughs> You'll well, find this. I don't, I don't have that luxury. Uh, so that'll do it for WrestleMania. Should we go on and pick ourselves a winner, or should we say, what was it? You remember the the very early Simpsons episode with they where they're playing the mini golf against each other? They're going to put the father of the child who does not win rather than loser. Well, I think this should be the opposite way around. Let's <laughs> pick the show, <laughs> the, the show that does not lose. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> well, let's find out. Who did you have for the better crowd reactions, WrestleMania or Uncensored? Was that WrestleMania? Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. So, like I said, you get to about the fourth match into Uncensored, and if you want, you can see souls leaving people's bodies. Yeah, I, look, I completely agree with you. The, the crowd was three times as much. It was WrestleMania. They were pumped for a while. And, you know, some of the stuff got bigger reactions than I thought, whereas the WCW crowd really didn't give much of a shit, did they? No. I'm what about... For free. Yeah, I was going to say, like, definitely heavily papered, you would imagine, because they didn't... They were not enthusiastic in the slightest. No. Who did you think had the better production value on the night? Uh, same again. I mean, it depends on the class of production. You've got to give credit for them to, for making that cage and whatnot. But they did it, but then put it in a dark area where you couldn't. Well, we at home could see for call, so I can't imagine what the people in the crowd would have seen. Um, obviously, well, yeah, I'll just put WrestleMania. I think the WCW cage reminded me of like a game that was in two D rather than three D because you could only shoot it from one side. Yeah, and then obviously did it um, did it give us the future um, whatever that what was it the when David Arquette wrestled in oh like the it's the same sort of thing isn't it the triple cage yeah classic yeah but yeah I agree completely the production value WrestleMania killed uncensored in this one um, what about the storylines who do you think featured the best storylines on the night 
Well, the the WWF again. Uh, it did the same. It does the same of like trying to wrap up the storylines going forward. Obviously, like it's the end. It's the end of one chapter, the start of another. Uh, uncensored, just threw stuff out. Conan, Eddie Guerrero, for no reason. Obviously, Medusa, Colonel Robert Parker, that no one gives a shit. They kind of shoehorned DDP and the Booty Man just because they kind of had to do something. It was all mishmash, the bullshit at the end, which refused to name. Obviously, going forward, the WWE starts a new, starts all new things. Unfortunately, we live in a thing where obviously after the WWE, what we've got to look forward to is Brett goes after this. So there's not, there's no. There's no, there's no Sean Brett afterwards, so they have to kind of like reset with that as well. Where then obviously naturally they would try and have another match, but obviously egos prevailed, and we get what we get. Yeah, I agree completely. I think um, you're pretty well spot on the money there. <clears throat> I um, yeah, I've got WWF for storylines. I think they were just cleaner, better executed, and made more sense. Yeah. What about characters? Who do you think showcased the best characters on the night? Uh, well, probably, I don't know. Probably saying someone same again. I just like, it's hard. It's, it makes me like really biased. I say WF. It's literally, whenever I, I try to think of anything for WCW Uncensored, my brain just shuts off. So you can <laughs> say characters because they had so many people on it and Lex Lugo out of the two shows was the best by country mile out of all of it. But, yeah, like I said, I can't. I can't. I, can't, my, I physically can't give WCW anything. I go, <laughs> I, if, I, if I go to state, my tongue swells. So I'm going to give them this one because I think they got more big name characters on the show than the WWF did. <clears throat> the WWF had Savio Vega wrestling on WrestleMania and had the Roddy Piper Goldust thing take up three or four different segments as well as the main event lasting over an hour. And that's just purely for me down to a lack of star power on the show. WCW had lots of stars, just shit matches and shit angles, but they were definitely there to be seen. So yeah. oh, that's the one thing I am definitely going to concede to them on, which brings us to the last one of match quality. And who do you have for this one? I don't know. There's probably some indie show somewhere that was a lot better, but on this night, I will give it to the WWF. Yeah, I think... I Yeah, I, I guess so. I just... There's... I, probably Diesel and Undertaker's the best match on either show, so I guess you can give it to the WWF for that, but I didn't particularly enjoy either show. I didn't think either of them had good wrestling, good storylines, good heat, good anything. It's just WrestleMania was less shit. Yeah, pretty much. It was like it was like someone going to, do you want to eat this bag of shit or this three-day-old donut? And you're like, mm, I think I'll take the donut then. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy <laughs> it, but I'm not going to vomit it back up. Yeah, exactly. This disc has got less chance of killing me. <laughs> so yeah, the WWF win this one hands down, despite being one of the worst WrestleManias ever. I mean, it doesn't quite beat WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 2, but it's not far away. No. So, nothing doing here. This is, as I said, this is the show we've been avoiding for a long time. Apologies for the blatant negativity, but if you watch these two shows, you'll really struggle to say anything nice yourself so go and find out if you don't believe us I know you think all these people like say all the the historians when they talk about Bret Hart and you talk about Sean and you always talk about the Iron Man match but don't watch it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it really is it's crap not, yeah if you want to see if you want to see 
an egotistical guy wrestle a Marty guy, then yeah, go for it. But yeah, if you've got if you've got an hour to spare and you're trying to get to sleep, put this on. But otherwise, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, if you're trying to extend the game on the PlayStation and not have any pins, this would be what you would do. Yeah, but with but with less um, twelve finishes. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, this is like, this will do. Like, like a random bit, sorry. Like in the Iron Match, this is the epitome of it, where Sean's down and Brett's in the ring, and Brett could just he'll, he'll get cut out easy, and then Brett just gets out and throws him in, and you're like, why? Yeah, you're exactly. like, every, the cleverest guy in the world, and he throws him back in. It's like, mate, if you win one nil by cut out, I will literally shit a brick. <laughs> yeah, just. Two really, really poor shows, and this is one that I'm glad to be past. I'm actually looking forward to getting back into Raw and Nitro now, and as I said, the next pay-per-view episode for us features an amazing Shawn Michaels-Diesel match, so we're going to get our reward for putting up with this very soon. Indeed. That'll do it for and us the, today. So, go on. Stop, you know, sorry, talking over you. The, the Raw and Nitro, they pick up as well now. We've got, obviously, we've got Mankind coming into it. Um, and then... Was the start of Scott Hall and everyone turning up. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> yeah, cannot wait. There is some def- definitely some good stuff coming up in the near future. Yes. So, that'll do it for us today. So, um, as always, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, um, at RawIsNitroPod. You can email the show, RawIsNitroPod at Hotmail.com. Um, you can catch Carl on Twitter as well. Is it at Lovegun13? Yeah, L-U-V-G-U-L-L. Yeah, so that is the way to get in touch with us. Always looking for a chat and to catch up about the shows. Thank you all for listening. We've had some really awesome listening numbers in the last couple of, like the last month or two. I think so far this year, being it's only February, we've already had half the plays we had in 2016, and that was seven months of the show. So it's definitely going well. Um, a lot of new listeners, so thank you all for coming on board. And as always, feel free to get in touch and chat to us about the show. Indeed, and obviously your your stars improved. So I wonder if your one star review will probably be up to a two. No, I have not heard back from him since. I, I'm assuming yeah. he he didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. You, I can't even remember his name now. But you, the guy that left me the one star still fuck you. If you're still listening, then just. Don't. Stop listening. (laughs) We've got algorithms, man. Yeah. Five-star reviews are the best way you can help the show as well. It helps us reach a wider audience. So please do leave us a five-star review if you think we're anything less than five stars and your opinion doesn't count. So just save yourself the time. (laughs) Don't just listen to us as well. There's plenty of other other podcasts that we would consider good brothers these days. Then now, whatever. The Raw Attitude podcast. Yeah, there's a whole host of them. Yeah, the New Blood Rising. And the one you got me on to recently, which is completely not wrestling related, the Quickly Kevin Willie Score 90s Football Podcast. I have now listened to every episode. <laughs> I know. And then you, have to, then you have to wait. Such a shame. Yeah, the um, there is nothing better than listening to Matt Letissier describe being subbed off for Ali Dyer. That is just, if you like football, <laughs> that's football heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for today. So thank you all for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Indeed. Take care, spite your hair.
And laying funky raps on a dope track Should I dance holler for a couple of dollars I sell away my soda, put a rope on my collar I was taken from the list of the lost and missing Rapping down a dark road on my way to prison Stuck me in the studio, put me on the radio Told me to perpetrate like I was a hero But I ain't with that, tunes got my back Do I have to use a gat to show you where I'm at? A pose with a 40 ounce, faking like a killer With a long black lap, like a small time dope dealer Diamonds on my finger and women at my feet Huh. A house that I don't know that no respect on the street Might be detained, cause I ain't trained Let me explain when it come to Coolio Whoever said living in the spotlight was simple as one, two, three huh. They must have been slipping on a twinkle leaves Cause man, I ain't used to this unusual behavior Now everyone's a friendly neighbor The same girls way back who told me to go to hell It's tipping backstage when I go to the motel And everyone pretending they were down from Damn, 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 damn,